Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. The calendar year has flipped, and we're back. It's the 414 Sports Podcast, presented by Sewer Ninjas. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillis. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you along for the ride. Also very thankful for Sewer Ninjas for being our presenting sponsor. Find what you need to know about Sewer Ninjas at SewerNinjas.com. We're going to make our way through the NFL, talk some Packers, get through the college football playoffs, some NBA news, all of that coming up on this episode. But unfortunately, and hopefully fortunately, and I'll explain that in just a moment, that we have to start with the Monday night football game. We're taping this on Tuesday, so obviously what took place last night in Cincinnati as the Buffalo Bills were taking on the Cincinnati Bengals and DeMar Hamlin in the midst of Uh, The first quarter of that Monday night matchup was going to be one of those matchups that I think a lot of people were tuned into, two big powerhouse football teams going at it on a Monday night. And in the midst of that first quarter, DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately, suffering cardiac arrest in the midst of that tackle and the game, rightfully so, gets shut down and as of this morning Damar Hamlin critical condition in a Cincinnati hospital there are reports on Yahoo that his vital signs are back to normal let's just continue to hope and pray as many people have been doing since the episode took place that Damar Hamlin will regain his health will worry about football later but let's make sure that this young man is back on his feet and moving forward with his life. At 24 years of age, let's hope that though it was cardiac arrest, that his youth will play in his favor, his health, his vitality will play in his favor, and that he will have this great comeback story in the midst of what was doggone near tragic last night watching those players, and how beside themselves they were. It it was difficult to watch. And so 
in the midst of this episode, for lack of a better way of saying it. You, you saw kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so, obviously, the bad was that this young man uh, suffered cardiac arrest um, and all of the efforts by those first responders and the training staffs from both teams to get him stabilized so that they could get him to the hospital. And as we were saying just a moment ago, Yahoo reporting that his vital signs were looking better, even though he's still in critical condition. So let's, again, pray that that moves forward. The bad, obviously, as I just noted, was that. The good. He has a GoFundMe page. And DeMar Hamlin has done work in and around the Buffalo area with various charities and one particular daycare center where they were going to try and raise $2,500. My understanding is for new toys for the daycare center. And And the good of this all will be that people always want to do something, right? You feel like, yeah, I'm praying, but I, I need to do something more. And you saw some fans last night showing up in front of the hospital to set up a vigil. Like, people just want to do something to help DeMar Hamlin. And so many people found out about this GoFundMe page, um, a page, as I noted, that was hoping to raise $2,500, and I've seen reports this morning that they're well over $2 million. <laughs> Wow. The, the good in people sometimes can be a little bit overwhelming and coming off the holiday season let let's again hope he's better but the fact that people again wanted to do something to see that rise the way it did financially to help his charity which I'm sure is now going to expand um, kudos to everybody who who donated now the ugly social media some people, some people, not everyone, you know, you go through social media last night, everybody, prayers, prayers, prayers for DeMar Hamlin, need to stop thinking about the football game, just prayers to DeMar Hamlin. And then you get some people who, who are just, they're asshats. They just are. They're oblivious to the situation. Some of the statements that were being made by some, not all, some in a very small minority of those on social media were making some comments last night that you just wonder, where's your empathy? Where is your compassion? The hell with football right now. You got a young man who went into cardiac arrest on the field. You know, we listening to ESPN and some of uh, the other networks like Fox and so forth, you know, you hear coaches and players talking about, we've gotten used to the guys who have torn a knee up or who maybe had to go on the stabilizing board because of a concussion and you get that thumbs up as they're being carted off the field. This obviously was different last night. And to see people like Skip Bayless worried more about what's this going to mean for the playoff scenario than this young man's health is just callous. Is just callous. And I'll be interested to see what happens with regards to Skip Bayless here today and moving forward because it was just callous and there were others and I'm not going to name some of the other ones it's it's not it's not necessary and it's not noteworthy to give them any sort of extra time but it was it was just incendiary that people lose track of 
this we're not talking about fantasy football points and who gives a rat's rear end about the playoff scenario. You've got a multi-billion dollar business in the NFL. They'll figure it out. And kudos to the NFL, to the players on both teams, to ESPN and how things were handled yesterday. ESPN had an incredibly difficult job. You had, obviously, the scenario taking place on the field, and you have to, as I heard one person describe it as, tap dance your way through however many minutes of time within the broadcast to make your way through this very difficult situation. And the emotions were raw. And what they saw in the booth at the stadium and what Susie Kolber and Booger McFarlane and the others at the studio were seeing from their feed is much different than what we saw with ours. And what they had the to see and the glimpses they were getting, you could tell emotionally it was challenging as opposed to what producers were allowing the general public to see. And again, rightfully so. How they maneuvered their way through that, big thumbs up to them. Because it's difficult. It is not easy. You can have all of the emergency plans you want in play and the scenarios in play. But when it actually happens, no matter how many times you kind of run through it, when it actually happens, it's just different. So kudos to them. Now, the NFL caught a lot of flack for how long it took them to actually postpone last night's game. But they did. And there's a lot of things that have to take place in the midst of a game. It's not just as simple as flipping a switch and calling it a day. They went through the proper procedures that they have in play as an organization. And in doing so, even though it may have took a little bit longer than I or others would have liked, they made the right call. They made the right call. So who knows what will take place. First and foremost right now, all eyes and prayers and focus is on DeMar Hamlin before we even worry about Buffalo taking on New England and what will Cincinnati do this week and how will that affect the AFC playoffs. That, as of right now, is irrelevant less than right about 12 hours after this incident took place. Let this play out just a little bit before we start worrying about that, and let's make sure we keep our thoughts and prayers headed in the direction of DeMar Hamlin because we're talking about a human life, not fantasy points at this point. All right, let's transition as best we can into our Green Bay Packers who just, what, a month ago we had we had left at the side of the road a 4-8 and eight start. We thought, mm, th- this is not going to be the year. This is going to have some some scenarios working its way through in the offseason like what are we going to do with this ball club and then slowly but surely you get an ugly win against Chicago yes you do beat Miami on Christmas Day there's a couple other ones there in the mix and you start to question all right Miami's okay 
But, you know, Chicago laid an egg last week against Detroit. You got a couple of teams that they had wins against that aren't really, shall we say, powerhouses this year in the NFL. And then here come the Vikings. Now, the Vikings have become probably a a bigger, excuse me, rivalry than the Chicago Bears. And we know what happened in week one. And so there was a little bit of a revenge factor there. You also had playoff implications on the line for Green Bay having to win to keep moving forward. And they did just that and played a game against the Minnesota Vikings that I think many of us as Packer fans, we've been waiting all season long to see. Actually watching our Packer team go out there and dominate somebody. And in doing so, it came with a bit of a hiccup early on. When the misfortunate special team play again occurred where the punt gets blocked and Minnesota gets that ball inside the five, you thought, oh boy, here we go again. Here we go again. A chance to get to the playoffs and we're going to lay an egg. And yet the defense stepped up, held them to a field goal. We get another special teams headline, but this time on the positive side of the ledger, we get the 105-yard run back on the kick return, and it just flipped the script, and suddenly we watched this team, as I noted, do something we've been waiting for all year, and it started with the run game. Matt LaFleur committed this ball club on Sunday to the run game. And we've all talked about at nausea how this team was going to have to run the ball to the receiving core, kind of found its groove, and the receiving core is starting to find its groove now with these young guys at the wideout positions as the season's progressed. And knowing that Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon would be your focal points, and there are times, even though we knew we had to run the ball, we kind of got away from it. And yet, this past week, you saw the Packers absolutely commit to the run game. And because they did, you saw how it then opened up the passing game as well. So this turnaround by this team has been nothing short of miraculous. And now we know that this Sunday, the Packers have been moved to the Sunday night football game because of the playoff implications with the Detroit Lions coming into town. Now, we struggle against the Lions. We have. The Lions are a much, much better football team this year than they've been in years past. And when they have been an awful football team, we have struggled against the Lions. So let's see what happens with the backs against the wall. Let's see how the Packers respond. It's all about playing good football at the right time. I don't care what the sport is. Get a team in the NBA. Get a team in Major League Baseball, the NFL. Teams that get hot down the stretch always make a deep run. I don't know what kind of run we have in us and if we're even going to get to the playoffs. But what we've seen in the past few weeks, this ability to find ways to win, the ability to find ways to win at all of the various aspects of the game. That tripod of offense, defense, special teams has to make 
Packer fans feel a little bit better winding down this regular season. So again, it's been flexed, that being the Detroit Lions-Packer game Sunday night, Lambeau Field. We'll get the crew from NBC to come into town and cover that one. There's a chance we might know our playoff destiny by the end of the day anyway. This might not be a win and move on or lose and go home kind of a game for Green Bay. It may not be for Detroit. There are all of these different scenarios that are in play that we'll talk about later in the week, which is why the game got flexed to Sunday night. But you still want to play good football, even if we know as Packer fans we're headed to the playoffs again, you still want to go into the playoffs dominating like you did against the Minnesota Vikings. So again, we'll talk about more in the week upcoming. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of the break, let's talk some college football as we are set now for a national championship affair coming up on Monday. We've had some other bowl games with some interesting results, and we'll get to that in just a moment. talk some college football as the championship game is set for Monday. SoFi Stadium between TCU and Georgia. And we had a couple of games, A, on Saturday as the playoffs go, that were absolutely spectacular. We've seen playoff games before that were blowouts and not very entertaining. And we thought, all right, here's the two teams. Now let's just get to the championship and see what we get there to see who's going to hoist the trophy. But on Saturday, the playoffs were about as entertaining as we've had since the inception of this Final um, Four-type scenario that college football has put into play. TCU upsetting Michigan 51-45 in the Verbo Fiesta Bowl was the start to a really, again, entertaining Saturday. And I'll say it this way. When I was talking on our show, here comes Shameless Plug, Journey House College Sports Show, powered by Waterstone Bank, presented by Sewer Ninjas, 8 to 10 a.m. on Saturday mornings, 97.3 the game. As we were talking about that playoff game, I thought Michigan was going to steamroll TCU. TCU plays a 3-3-5 defensive set. I thought that set up perfectly for what Michigan does, which is old school run the football. And I thought once TCU had to creep some other guys into the box, that would allow Michigan to go deep as far as their passing game goes, kind of like what they did to Ohio State. I just thought it was on the table for Michigan to take. I couldn't have been more wrong. TCU was more physical than Michigan. They forced Michigan into a couple of turnovers, two pick sixes that I think Michigan will live to regret for days and months to come. They, being TCU, 
just took it to Michigan. Now, as as I looked through my notes in watching the game, hindsight, yeah, I'm, I'm saying this now, and hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm definitely not trying to make a hot take or be a genius or whatever the case may be. When Michigan, on their opening drive, it's fourth down, oh, I don't have it in front of me, what is it, two, three-yard line, and they ran the trick play in order to score, what I would call the Philly special, like Philadelphia did back in the day uh, on the way to their Super Bowl win. When they ran that play and didn't just do Michigan football, I knew, or at least felt, I should say, that Michigan was in trouble. When Harbaugh got away, when Jim Harbaugh got away from doing what Michigan does in trying some trickeration in order to score, that told me that there were question marks early on about how Michigan was going to match up against TCU from a physical standpoint. Think about it. If Michigan doesn't score, TCU is going to get the ball in, what, the two-yard line? They ended up getting the ball in, I think it was the 10 or 12 because of the trickeration, it failed. They tackled the whole nine yards. They had better field position than what they would have had. But to me, when Harbaugh decided to go with a trick play instead of just powerhouse Big Ten football, in my mind, looking into Jim Harbaugh's mind, which you can't necessarily do, but I just felt like if you go that route, you're sensing some trouble. And I wonder what the rest of the players on the team thought about it as well. Like, why are we not just doing what we do? Why are we trying to be fancy? We're on the two-yard line. I, I think it sent a reverberation throughout that team on Saturday. So that's two years in a row now that Michigan has gone to the semifinals and come up short. And TCU, to their credit, played a whale of a game, a whale of a game. So if anybody who, going into the Michigan game, kind of like myself, thought, I don't know, you know, Big 12, we kind of think of Big 12 as like arena football because they're just up and down the field and this, that, and the other thing, I think we got a reality check in how physical TCU can play and how Sonny Dykes can make adjustments throughout the game better than what, in this case, Jim Harbaugh did. So now TCU will go up against Georgia. They beat Ohio State 42-41 in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Georgia, even though they put 42 points on the board, even though I think the final numbers were they averaged like eight yards plus a carry, boy, it sure didn't feel that way. It sure didn't feel that way. Ohio State backing into, as a lot of people would say, the college football playoffs had nothing to lose, and they played it that way. Ryan Day did a great job of just letting it hang out. Like, no one's given us a chance. We're a pretty doggone good football team. Let's just go and see what we can do. Now, Marvin Harrison Jr. showed you in the first half. He is probably the predominant receiver in all of college football. Losing him in the second half really hampered Ohio State. And yet they had a chance at the end. They had a chance at the end. And unfortunately, the kicker, the holder, 
I, there, there was something with that exchange that wasn't right. And obviously it goes wide left and Georgia hangs on as they now will take on TCU. So we'll talk more about that game a little bit later in the week as we get closer to the national championship. And again, join us Saturday mornings, 8 to 10 a.m. on 97.3, the game. And we'll be talking about it extensively on Saturday morning as well. One other bowl game. There were a bunch of really good bowl games. I think as of this morning, I think Purdue may have been scored on again by LSU. What a lopsided affair that was. Man, Purdue didn't even look like they knew what hit them, and then it just steamrolled right over. But anyway, I was going back to the Cotton Bowl. And the Cotton Bowl with with Tulane beating USC. And USC getting all kinds of publicity this year. And rightfully so, because Caleb Williams is probably the best quarterback in college football. Caleb Williams is special. But to go and lose to Tulane 46-45, to I think opened up some question marks on USC. USC has not necessarily fixed some of the things that need to be fixed on a team that wasn't that bad going into it. USC was not a terrible team. This was not a team that only won one game last season. There are players on USC, and yet there were times yesterday where neither team could stop the other's offense, and when it came down to essentially possession at the end, it was Tulane who came away with the victory. Take Caleb Williams away from USC? What do you got? Rutgers? Maryland? No, I wouldn't even, I'd say Maryland would be better. USC is living and dying right now by Caleb Williams, and it shows you why the quarterback position gets as much attention as it does. Because you take Caleb Williams off of this USC team, I don't even know if you have a mediocre team. And I thought some of that was exposed in that Cotton Bowl as Tulane gets the win, scoring 16 points in the final four minutes to get a huge victory for a team a year ago. That's a team a year ago that I think only won one or two games and now sits this year as Cotton Bowl champ. So we've got a national championship game to play. We've got one or two other bowl games. And I shouldn't say it that way because I have no problem sitting down and watching bowl games. With the exception again, and I'll voice it real quick, in that can can we do away with the Duke's Mayo Bowl and the dumping of the mayonnaise at the end of the game, the most disgusting celebration that there is in all of these bowl games? Like, I get it. Duke's Mayo, great. You got a wonderful product and you're putting money into it and you're hosting a bowl game. Absolutely fantastic, but can we do away with the dumping of the mayonnaise at the end? It's just so gross. Just so gross. All right, we're going to transition one last segment. We had some things happen in the NBA last night in the midst of the incident in the NFL that got a bit overshadowed, and rightfully so. I mean, we were talking life and death and not necessarily all of the things that take place on a normal Tuesday morning with regards to sport. But there were a couple of things that happened in the NBA that are worth noting. And that's how we'll close up the podcast today. 
We'll do it in just a sec. Sewer Ninjas is dedicated to solving your home sewer issues with the latest no-dig sewer repair technology to minimize cost and disruption. They can repair your sewer lateral line with minimal intrusion, saving you thousands. When you need help, turn to the drain and sewer experts for Milwaukee and the surrounding communities. Give Sewer Ninjas a call, 414-250-8605. Once again, that's 414-250-8605. Find out more at SewerNinjas.com. All right, a couple of big offensive performances last night in the NBA. Clay Thompson put up 54 for Golden State against the L.A. Lakers. But really, the highlight last night was Donovan Mitchell, 71 points. Just he alone, 71 points. The eighth highest scoring output by an NBA player goes to now Donovan Mitchell. What an unbelievable performance by both of those guys. And the Bucks struggling a little bit. Let's not underestimate the Bucks' need to have Chris Middleton in the lineup. The lack of his shooting is what really kind of hampers the Bucks. Everybody's got a role. The pieces are there. But the need for consistent shooting is one of those pieces. And without Chris Middleton, we see at times this team struggle a little bit. Is it something to panic over? No. There's a lot of basketball to be played. And the Bucks have shown within the last couple of years, that the regular season just doesn't necessarily have the importance that it once did. It's all about making sure you're in that upper half of the playoff bracket and then making sure you're set to make your postseason run. So for those people that are starting to pull their hair out a little bit based on how the Bucks are performing, pulling Aaron Rodgers and R-E-L-A-X, it'll be fine. A lot of basketball to be played. Good to be back. It's good to be back with everybody. Thanks again for downloading and listening to us. I'm Don Wachillis. This has been the 414 Sports Podcast presented by Sewer Ninjas. We'll be back later in the week. Have a good one. (laughs) 